Good morning. There's a man I know. This man I had the opportunity to walk with. And I use that word walk intentionally. His name is Larry. Larry has been a follower of Jesus for many years. And over those many years, his life has taken many twists and turns. He's been a youth pastor. He's been a college professor. He went through a difficult divorce. He actually lived for a period of time in his van down by the river. He's led a training school through a local church. And in this training school, those who are interested in experiencing God's kingdom in some more tangible ways, he led them. He guided them. And that is where I met Larry in training school. The main teaching style that Larry used was that he would take people on walks. We'd walk cities, neighborhoods, and parks where we could see and encounter people and that we might encounter the kingdom of God in a way that we might not see or experience them if we were driving through them in our cars. Walking with Larry put me in some uncomfortable situations, but it also gave me categories for a kingdom, for his kingdom, that I might never have experienced had I not walked with him. Welcome to Calvary. We are glad that you are with us on this New Year's Day. We're going to continue our study through the Gospel of Luke. And we've spent the last four weeks remembering Christ's coming at Christmas, but also anticipating his return again through the celebration of Advent. And by doing that, we looked at chapters 1 and we looked at chapters 2 in, God, in Luke's Gospel. And this is his introduction to his Gospel work. And there are three other movements from now until Easter that we are going to pay closer attention to. Now just to make sure credit is given where credit is due, a lot of what I've developed today and a lot of my thinking around it was shaped by the Bible Project. And they do a great job of giving overviews of books. And so they do an overview of the book of Luke, and that's going to kind of guide where we're going today. But I would also like to invite you that if you would like, if you are interested in a men's or a women's Bible study, they're going to start this month. And through, this, through those, you can sign up at the Info Hub. We are going to walk through the Gospel of Luke and his next book, Acts, over eight weeks taking a closer look a little bit at some of the themes and major movements that happen that we see in particular in Luke's gospel and his second writing in Acts. But for today, I'd like to kind of set the table for where we're going for the next couple months. And I'd like to do that by starting with John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist was Jesus's older cousin. He was the son of Zechariah and Elizabeth. And he was born with a special purpose to prepare the way for the Messiah, to prepare the way for Jesus. 
So if you have your Luke books, go ahead and open them up. If you don't, we will be in Luke chapter 3, verses 2 through 6. If you have your Luke books, that's on page 22. And that's where we're going to start today. And get ready to move. We're going to be kind of going through the whole book as we see an overview here today. But Luke chapter 3, starting in verse 2, we read this. During the high priesthood of Ananias and Caiaphas, God's word came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went to all the vicinity of the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for forgiveness of sins. Might highlight that. Proclaiming a baptism for the repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it was written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah, a voice crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley will be filled and every mountain and hill will be made low. The crooked will become straight, the rough ways smooth, and everyone will see the salvation of God. This was John's life mission. And this was prophesied about 700 years earlier to straighten out to make smooth the way for Jesus, for his mission, for his message, and ultimately for his sacrifice. And those are going to be our three movements this morning. His mission, his message, and his sacrifice. Again, over the next several months, we're going to look at Luke's gospel, and again, that most of those messages are going to focus on his mission and his message. Chapters 3 through the first part of chapter 9 focus all on his mission. So we'll spend some time there. And then chapters 9, or the end of chapter 9 through the beginning of chapter 19, it will talk about his message, or it will focus a lot on his teachings. And then the second half of 19 all the way through the end of 24 is the final week of his life in Jerusalem where we will ultimately see his sacrifice for us. So a couple high points to set the table for the next couple months. First, his mission. Go ahead and turn over to page 34. Again, this is Luke 4:43, page 34 in our Luke books. And again, if you're not familiar, if you're first time here, these are uh, Luke books that we've ordered uh, over the last several months. It's just the CSB translation, so it's the same that we're getting up here. There's just an area for you to write notes. So that's, that's when, we, when we refer to those over the next several months, that's what we are referring to. Luke 4.43 says this. But he said to them, and this is Jesus talking, it is necessary for me to proclaim the good news about the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because I was sent for this purpose. Because I was sent for this purpose. Again, maybe out to the side there, you write, this is Jesus' purpose. This was his mission. This is what he was sent to do. This is his mission, to proclaim the kingdom of God. Of God. And we will look at some different events and happenings that led to this moment, and we will also focus on some things that happened afterwards. But it's good for us to remember and to recognize that this was his 
purpose, to proclaim the kingdom of God. And we're going to see how he went about doing that, but it's also good for us to know that when he went about proclaiming this kingdom, the people that he brought along with him to help proclaim this message through this mission were men and women from very different backgrounds, different social backgrounds, different political backgrounds, different economic backgrounds. But the key part is they all had the same need. They all needed the same person, Jesus. And he knew this. And he knew that as they walked along together, that through their interactions with one another, they were going to tangibly see his kingdom here on earth. This was Jesus' mission to proclaim God's kingdom here on earth. Second, his message. You might be sitting here wondering, Drew, why did you open up about that story with Larry? What, what, what does that have to do with the gospel of Luke? Well, again, I wanted to focus on this idea because one of the main reasons and areas of Larry's teaching was by walking. And this is one of Jesus's main ways of teaching. He didn't always just gather people in a room and teach or gather people on a hillside and teach. That stuff happens, and we will focus on those things. But primarily, he did his teaching as they walked along. That is how he trained his students. That's how he trained his disciples, is as they were walking along, here are some teaching moments. And Larry tried to do that as well. Now for us, if we think about it, why is walking so countercultural to our, play, to our world today? Because we like to get places fast. We've got some kids in the room with us today. A lot of times when you walk with kids, you have to walk a little slower. Their legs are smaller and they can't move as fast as us. But you know what happens when we usually walk with kids? They notice things that we don't notice. Walking slows us down. It allows us to be present with those who we are, are with or those that we encounter. One of the things that is commonplace around here at Calvary are retreats. We have men's retreats. We're hopefully going to have some women's retreats. We have spiritual formation retreats. We have milestone retreats for kids. And the whole idea of these retreats is to get away and to be with God and to be with others. And there's times of teaching and there's times of conversation in a circle. But one of the things that I've found to be most transformative in these times are our walks to meals. So we have went, most of the retreats, we've been at Camp Tecumseh. And when we've been at Camp Tecumseh, there are times, especially when it's cold, that you have to walk half a mile to eat your meal. And what's interesting as we walk, usually these times um, when we've been there, uh, we've had our time alone with the Lord before that. So we've maybe been alone with silence and solitude for 45 minutes. Maybe it's been an hour. Maybe it's been two and a half hours of just quiet. And then as people walk together to eat, it's usually the first time they've spoken to somebody in a long time. 
And it's interesting to hear the conversation that happens, the things that they recognize and the things they want to share as they walk to the meal together. And I've come to see that as, a, as an important aspect of the retreats, that if we just ended up at a meal, that could be good, but we're ready to eat at this point. And so, at this, so then a lot of times things would be missed. But when we walk together after that time, the conversations that happen along the way can be transformative for us. It forces us to unhurry. So, Again, as we move into talk about Jesus' message on page 74, which will be Luke 9, 57 through 62. We'll see an example of this. This is just one of the examples. But page 74, Luke chapter 9, 57 through 62. As they were traveling on the road, there it is, as they were traveling on the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus told him, foxes have dens and the birds of the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Then he said to another, follow me. Lord, he said, first let me go bury my father. But he told them, let the dead bury their own dead but you go and spread the news of the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go say goodbye to those in my house. But Jesus said to him, no one will, who puts his hand to the plow will look back and look back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now this is just one of a few times where Jesus teaches as they're walking or traveling along. But in this, we also see another key aspect of Jesus' teachings. He told parables or stories, and he did that by using illustrations. And being transparent with you, some of these parables or illustrations are challenging for us. They're challenging for me. They force me to wrestle a bit with how I'm living and what God has called me to do. This is one of those Examples. Jesus seems a little cold here, saying, let the dead go and bury the dead, just come and follow me. Or seems a little bit extreme, saying, don't go back and say goodbye to those in your house. Those who look back are not fit for the kingdom of God. These are some difficult teachings, and I'm sure those who heard them thought the same thing. The reason that Jesus taught in this way, in my opinion, in other scholars' opinion, is because he did not want us to just live in a black and white world. He did not want us just to live in a clear-cut, easy, simple answer way, but he wanted us to learn how to live and deal with the areas of life that are a little bit gray. And when things are black and white, we, those those can become easy when they're clear-cut. Sometimes we can say, this is right and this is wrong. This is what you should do. This is what you should not do. And for us, when we have rules like that, they give us boundaries. And sometimes for us, they make us safe. Or for some of us, when we put boundaries up, we don't like them. It gives us something to push against. Jesus' desire, and again, as you walk and encounter people, you start to 
interact with situations that think this is not as clear-cut as I've always thought it to be. And that's Jesus' desires. I believe that Jesus taught this way so his students or his disciples, so as they walked, they would wrestle with the gray as they encountered encountered people along the way. So for our kids here, here's a little rhyme for you. Came up this morning when I was going through this. If this is good, write it down. If it's stupid, don't worry about it. But I liked it. Y'all say it one more time. I believe this is why Jesus taught his students or his disciples as they walked, because they would have to wrestle in the gray as they encountered people along the way. Again, it's one thing to sit in a room and to talk about hypothetical situations and theological concepts, and it's another to work them out as we encounter people or situations. Jesus wanted his disciples to encounter these situations and wanted a space to, for them to work it out because it was confusing. And if we're honest, there are times and situations in our life where things are not as clear cut. And Jesus desires to walk alongside of us as we work those situations out. Finally, his sacrifice. Go ahead and turn to the very end of the book, 166, page 166. And here we're in Luke 24, 45 through 49. Luke 24, 45 through 49 says this. Then he, again being Jesus, opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He also said to them, This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And the repentance for forgiveness of sins will be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. You are my witnesses of these things. And look, I am sending you what my Father promised. As for you... Stay in the city until you are empowered from on high. We see here in this final section that Jesus had to suffer and rise to fulfill the terms of the new covenant. There was an old covenant, of, an old covenant that was found in the Old Testament. And the people of God could not do what was necessary to hold up their end of the covenants. So ultimately, Jesus came, lived, died, and rose again to fulfill the new covenants, to fulfill that part of the Scriptures. But we also see here that we have a job to proclaim the repentance for the forgiveness of sin to all nations. Now earlier, back on page 22, in John's mission, we kind of highlighted there, what was his mission? To preach the repentance, baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So he was preparing the way for Jesus, for Jesus' message and for Jesus' mission. But it doesn't just stop with him and it doesn't just stop with Jesus. 
we are called to the same mission and to the same message to proclaim that through Jesus and through repentance, which means turning around and trusting Him, we can have our sins forgiven and start to walk in the kingdom of God. And it is our mission to proclaim that to the nations. And for us, we are so blessed because just as John had the Holy Spirit, here at the end in 49, we said, stay until you receive power on high. What is being referred to there is the Holy Spirit coming and empowering us to do stuff that we cannot do on our own. And as Luke wraps up his gospel here, he is setting the stage for his next book in Acts where we see where we see that mission start to be proclaimed there in Jerusalem and then to the nations, to the rest of the world. His sacrifice propels us into mission, into his message. So that's the overview. That's where we're going to go over the next several months. We're going to focus on his mission. We're going to take a closer look at his message and we are going to celebrate his sacrifice come Easter. But again, we always like to send, we send us out with something to do. Teaching in this setting is good, but if all it is is teaching and it doesn't change how we live, then it's worthless. It's like building your house on the sand. FYI, we're going to cover that in Luke 6, verses 46 through 49. We're at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, at the end of Jesus' greatest teaching. He says, teaching is good, but if all you do are hear these words and you don't put them into action, it is like building your house on the sand. When the rains come and the winds blow, as we sang earlier, if we don't put His Word into action, it doesn't change us. And so we want to make sure that we are putting things into action, which is why every week we give a daily training, something to do. And so our daily training for this week is this. Slow down. Slow down and ask God to open your eyes to the areas of the kingdom that are breaking through as you go each day. Slow down. Go for a walk. Now I know it's getting a little bit colder outside, but it's going to be 62 on Tuesday, so no excuses. But even on those cold days, put on some gloves, a coat, and a hat, and walk around your neighborhood a little bit more. Maybe this means that you get off work a little bit early, so that you can walk your neighborhood as your neighbors are coming home from work before they pull in the garage and shut the garage door behind them before they get out of their vehicles. Maybe this means you get up a little bit earlier so that while people are out walking their dogs or standing with their kids at the bus stop, there is a chance for you to meet and encounter them. Get to know their names. Get to know their dogs' names. Get to know what they are passionate about, where they're from. Now I know that this means there will probably be 
some awkward first encounters. My encouragement for you is to push past the awkwardness. Push past the awkwardness. Because when we live and walk as Jesus has done, it is worth it. Now I also recognize that this might be out of your context. Maybe you live in a dorm room or in a place where your neighbors live miles away. So it's going to be quite a walk to encounter your neighbors. But I'm sure right now, and as we continue in worship here, if you close your eyes and you ask God, God, where are you desiring for me to walk around, to slow down, to notice the areas of my life that you are moving, he will give you a place to notice. He will give you people to encounter and will give you an opportunity to share the good news of the message of Jesus. Go for a walk with him this week. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for another day. Thank you for another year, Lord. And our prayer is over these next several months, as we get to the place where we focus more on your work through Luke's gospel. Father, that you would aliven our hearts to your mission, that you would liven our hearts to your message, Lord. And when we encounter those teachings that are difficult for us to understand, I pray that we would have a group of people that we could talk through that with. That as we encounter those, we're not just doing it, listening to someone talk and then trying to apply it to our lives, Lord, but that you would give us people, that you would give us a community that can surround us, that when we have to work through these areas of gray in our life, that we can do it with others. Because, Father, we recognize that you have not called us and you do not want us to live a life with everything is clear-cut, neat, and pretty. But, Father, you desire for us to encounter your world in all of its mess and all of its dysfunction. Father, you desire to meet us in our mess and our dysfunction. And through that, the message of your sacrifice for us gives us a hope that is good news for us, but also is good news for the world around us, Lord. So I pray as we go this week that we would take that challenge to get out and walk and to go for a walk with you. We love you. Thank you for your patience with us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.